eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We're back after another brilliant week of college football action to give you our thoughts on all the weekend's action and another couple of things as well. Tonight, I'm just joined by Liam and Andy. We're behind the mics to, to bring you all of our thoughts and our takes. Um, Rob and Kieran not with us this evening uh, for different reasons. Obviously, Rob on paternity leave, and I think and I think Kieran is just crying off about LSU's loss that they <laughs> took over the weekend. I'm sure we'll hear him next week, and we can we can go back. I don't, I'm sure we all won't mind going back for that one. So. <laughs> So, as I said, we're going to round up all tonight's games. We're going to talk about another couple of things. As I mentioned, NFL started firing guys now. So we're going to talk about some coaches that may be able to be in the running, stepping up like Matt Rule did last year to take the Houston job, the Atlanta job, and any other jobs that might come up in the near future. But we're going to focus on those two in particular. We're also going to focus a little bit on Trey Lance, the North Dakota State quarterback, who's now had his showcase, quote-unquote, showcase game against Central Arkansas. The, the mighty Central Arkansas, who I feel like, because of the way that the college football like, schedule has gone, have been kind of our friends. We've mentioned them quite a lot um, over the past few weeks, more, really more well so than we it. would have done. Yeah, they got some serious airtime out of us. Um, so, yeah, any sponsorship that want to come from that way, we're all up for it. Yeah, and he's obviously declared for the 2021 draft, and he'll be coming out in the spring or whenever that draft is now held. And we'll be asking ourselves amongst the three of us, do we think that he's a round one player? And secondly, whether we actually think he'll go in the first round. So a couple of slightly different questions there that we'll tackle um, for Trey Lance and and move forward in that. And obviously we'll concentrate on him later down the line with our draft coverage as the year goes on too. So boys, first of all, we're going to get into some games. So Liam, do you want to start with potentially what was the game of the week with Miami and Clemson? Yeah, this this did turn out to be the game of the week, didn't it? Primetime ACC. Miami being ranked as high as uh, number seven to take on number one Clemson. Um, we actually had a brief chat pre-game and I said that I would like to see Miami keep it within about 10 points. I think that's about a little bit under what the, the spread had. Um, I would not have been surprised, though, if Clemson kind of turned it on and moved away and unfortunately for anyone expecting a battle and a really interesting back and forth game Clemson did start to uh, run away with it um, finishing 42-17 to Clemson um, I really enjoyed getting the opportunity to watch Trevor Lawrence for a game that was great and uh, yeah the offense of Clemson did look good mm. um, I was really interested to see how uh, Rhett Lashley, as offensive coordinator, went up against uh, Brent Venables as defensive coordinator. Um, Brent Lashley has been getting some some good press uh, for the way that Miami have started uh, this season, and this was obviously going to be a, a test for him. And Miami, the first couple of drives, it it, it it's they, the ideas were there. They were looking good and Derek King was 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 trying but there was like I think the first three drives there was just too many uh too many sacks too many rush plays that uh Clemson's defense overpowered them mm. uh, really really early Miami couldn't get going first half Derek King looked a bit overwhelmed and he had like a couple of big plays a couple of nice throws one really nice long run um from Clemson's point of view offensively once uh, they got going and scored. Um, they were always 
in control. I really, really liked the design on the first touchdown play. Um, the offensive line almost, uh, they kind of almost let the rush through on them so that they could then be available to, to block downfield. Really, really like that play design. Mm. And uh, also the, the young lads that were playing for Clemson on defense, it was, they've had a couple of years, haven't they, of like uh, losing uh, some really, really good uh, talent to the draft. And then it was really interesting seeing like the, the next load of players that the recruitments that the Tigers have made now come through. So guys like Darian Kendrick got an interception. Uh, James Skowski, the linebacker, had a really good game. Um, Landon Zanders, the safety, I really liked watching him. He was all over the mm. field. He looks like the next kind of guy that Clemson are going to have that kind of hybrid player. He was back and forward all through formation um, quick in the backfield when he was needed there was, it was really interesting to see like that there was these really these young guys and Clemson haven't lost a beat on defense and they were able to just move away in that game yeah for sure no it, they just look classable the rest now at the moment don't they you know like you were saying this battle between uh the Miami offense and the Clemson defense was a bit one-sided in the end, wasn't it? Let's just say Derek King couldn't really get going. And yeah, the, the talent replacement is, is really to be sort of admired, really, isn't it? Because obviously, I know we poke fun at Kieran when he was talking about LSU and the amount of players that they've lost, but Clemson and Alabama are throwing them in, in as well in this conversation. As they lose those players every single year, but they always remain at the top. So like I say, yeah. super admirable that they can do that. It says something about, uh, you know, people talk about this thing of wanting to play for your coaches. It says something about Dabo Swinney that he can keep getting these guys. They're obviously young first and second year guys that can come in and they weren't missing a beat. And and Miami have been playing well, of course. And hmm. these young guys were, were, yeah, they were dominating them at times. Uh, really, really impressive. Yeah. And I think a guy that you've not mentioned in your rundown there is Travis Etienne, uh, doing it through the air and also on the ground as well with... Uh, just a whole host of yards, really. Um, I think, what did he get? 149 on the ground and a couple of scores with a long of 72. So that's a long scamper. And also another 73 on through the air, sorry, with eight catches. So, you know, showing he's that all round back. And I'm sure, you know, this will be one of his games that he holds up at the end of the year. We're, we're moving through towards the draft and one that he can point to and say that I'm a, I'm a do it all back and I deserve to go very, very high in the draft indeed. So yeah, uh, you know, really great game to to sort of sort of end the Saturday night, really, wasn't it? In terms of um, our watching, and yeah, really great game uh, for the ACC. Really good showcase. Uh, moving into SEC, then. So Andy, you're with Arkansas and Auburn. Yes, mate. I was uh, going to go for FSU, but it just gets a bit <laughs> after a while, doesn't it? But um, so yeah, I um, uh, I think I've took a quite interesting Arkansas since day one, just because. This season, just because of, I'm quite a big fan of Felipe Franks. And mm. uh, this was actually like a really good game in the end. It was back and forward. Um, and, and as you're all aware, the the uh, like last minute spike really should have been a fumble and we should be talking about it. <laughs> should be talking about an Arkansas win rather than a 28 30 defeat. But but yeah, I mean, Auburn uh, like, uh, huffed and puffed, and, and really the only kind of person carrying that team is uh, Tank Bigsby, the, the running back, um, 20 carries, 146 yards again, just crucial without uh, without uh, Nick's playing particularly well, like Bigsby just moving the chains and uh, and it looks good It looks good on offence and, and yeah, honestly, just, just carrying them through there. Um, on the flip side of the ball, I was a massive fan of Zacoby McLean as well, I think he's 
looking really good on the on defense, the outside linebacker. Um, definitely NFL pedigree there. I think 13 tackles um, on Saturday. And yeah, it's just the latest in the long line of impressive performances. So decent looking player. Um, what one to watch for you, for you uh, NFL draft guys as well. Um, but I mean, to be honest, most of my focus was on Arkansas and, and, and Franks. And he looked really good, actually. 22 of 30, 318 mm-hmm. yards, four touchdowns. And, and he like had a really good chemistry going with um, running back Traylon Smith, who... Um, main threat on the in the air, main threat on the ground throughout the day as well. So, yeah, it's a good game. Uh, shame about the uh, shame about the spike at the end because it could have been a real upset. But you just kind of got the impression that the ref just wanted to take the kind of easy option, move forward, and uh, and kind of forget about it sort of thing. The, the bigger team uh, got the decision, and it wasn't. And you know, we'll all probably stop talking about that in a couple of weeks unless you're an Arkansas fan. It did feel like that a little bit, didn't it? That the refs kind of just took the easy road out and just were like, oh, it's fine, don't worry, we'll just let Alban win. Yeah, that was it, wasn't it? And uh, it would have been much more satisfying if the field goal was kind of missed there, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, but, yeah, yeah, for sure. Good game, man. And Arkansas looked much better, much more rejuvenated. I think that quarterback consistency is going to stand them in good stead. They'll get a couple more wins at least this year and, and Auburn might be... You know, they're all thereabouts at the bottom of the 25 at the, by the end of the season, but but no higher. I don't think they just look a bit lacklustre and, and just kind of edging these teams out, which in theory they should be doing a lot better with. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a tale of two quarterbacks, really, in terms of, you know, Arkansas, not usually a programme that you associate with great quarterbacks. Felipe Franks, obviously not the greatest quarterback in the world, but he's much better than what they'd usually get. And he's definitely elevating their level of play, I would say. Because like you say, I think they were harsh, harshly done by the SEC putting out a, a tweet in the morning, didn't they, to explain themselves, which I think it just, just says how much of a controversial incident it was. And um, it didn't really clear it up either, to be honest with you, in my, in my opinion anyway. And then the, on the flip side of that, Bo Nix. And I just think he, I just think he limits Auburn so much. He's such a limited player. He's quite a good kind of rusher with the ball. He, he does have like a tendency to make quite a, a big play when they need it. He's got that kind of big playability in the right moment. But generally, in general play, I just find him to be really, really limited. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Liam, have you got any thoughts about Bo Nix or this game at all in, in general? Bo Nix, um, I liked what I saw from him last season in terms of you, you put it into perspective of his age and he, he mm. is still learning and progressing. Then you had a discussion about him before saying like that this season uh you need him to kind of to kick on and and unfortunately he's not if anything he's he's struggling even more mm. uh, than last season you remember last season he had some really good games Oregon game first game of the season springs yes. to mind yeah um and like you say that he has his his moments and he needs that progression through the seasons and it, it hasn't happened this season yeah it's, it's, there's a struggle going on there at the moment yeah he's really like you say he's really stagnated for me um the the, the Oregon game that you mentioned was actually one that kind of made us all sit up and take note it's not of his quarterback play but of his big play and big moment ability because obviously pulled out the fourth quarter win um in the first game of last year uh, but like you say not really not really kicked on and I don't really see too much to get excited about personally so not someone that is really ticking a lot of boxes for me moving forward into next year when he's going to be draft eligible. And, um, you know, like I say, I just think he limits quite a big program at, at Auburn and um, kind of handcuffs them a little bit as a, as a program. 
One one final thought as well. Only two wide receivers caught passes on for, for Auburn. There's like two running backs got like five catches combined, but then uh, Schwartz and Williams are the only two uh, like designated receivers that caught mm. passes. Thirteen pass catches for them. So yeah, just a bit pretty weak showing on offense from them really, and that and they really got lucky. I think. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Anthony Schwartz, obviously, someone with. Olympic speed, he'll be someone that we'll be looking at next year when he's available for the draft. And Seth Williams is actually quite a good receiver as well, quite underrated, I would say. So it's a couple of good receivers. It's a shame that they just don't have a quarterback that can kind of find them enough, like you say. So yeah, uh, Auburn kind of march on. Arkansas, very, very unlucky, I think. So for my game, I'm going to talk about Virginia Tech and UNC. Obviously, uh, my boy Sam Howell came out on fire on this one. Uh, really, both sides of the ball did, to be honest with you. you know, they, they really just put the foot down and they raced into a 21 to nothing lead by the end of the first quarter. Although, at the end of the first quarter, Virginia were basically about to score and they, they duly did. Um, Virginia did mount a somewhat of a comeback, but then UNC raced head again. It was a bit of an, really, it was a bit of an ebb and flow to this game, actually. It was quite a quite an up and down game. Um, UNC, though, did, really did capitalise on the early lead and they were able to kind of just stay out in front for a lot of this. I was firing out quite a lot of tweets during this game, um, obviously firing out some tweets in support of UNC because obviously I'm a massive fan of theirs now and also of Sam Howell <laughs> as well. Um, I counted Virginia Tech out a couple of times and then had to kind of quickly almost backtrack. There was an onside kick that sandwiched two really good scores and they, like I say, looked like they were going to come back into it. In the end, Tar Heels ran out though, 56 to 45 winners. Uh, in a number of really high-scoring games, really, and actually something I'm going to mention in my losers column, or did mention, as I have obviously just this was came out the other day, <laughs> I did mention my losers column about defenses, um, just not really come to the party this weekend at all uh, with a lot of high-scoring games. Um, yeah, so this one, I know you guys have just mentioned. Obviously, we mentioned Etienne and we mentioned Tank Bigsby, who by the name, by the way, great running back name. Great name. Great name. Great college football name, again, something that we mentioned last week. But this one was was really powered by the UNC running game. My, Michael Carter and Javante Williams ran all over Virginia Tech with 214 yards and 169 yards rushing, respectively. And they both look like mid-round guys to me, especially Michael Carter looking like a real prospect. Nothing in terms of like breakaway speed, but he's got cut ability and he can, he can definitely make a guy miss in the hole. So, yeah, two, two guys that I'll be looking out for um, in the draft in, in a few months' time. Howell, uh, what can I say, really efficient, a uh, bit of a mini wobble in the third, but played really well, you know, just did what he needed to do, really efficient, as I say, and then showed off his arm with a couple of long TDs to Jeremy Brown, which showed off his arm, which is very, very good. Um, took a hit at the end as well when he was, when he was kneeling because he was faffing around and one of the Virginia <laughs> Tech players didn't fancy that. Um, I will qualify all what I've just said about UNC and the fact that they won and put a lot of points by saying Virginia Tech obviously had about 15 players out due to COVID and a lot of them were DBs, so obviously quite a big boost. So, yeah, that's kind of a bit of an equaliser there. Um, Virginia Tech had some offense as well, though. Khalil Herbert, one, one uh, player who really stood out, 135, sorry, 138 yards on the ground. And Tar Heels are up to number five in the AP poll, which is their highest ranking for 21 years. So, first of all, not bad for a basketball school. And second of all, I have joined the hype train at just the right time. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, go on, what do you want to say? Uh, at the risk of upsetting you, I did pick Virginia Tech for, game for this one. <laughs> and. Um... And then, as you mentioned, what I'd forgotten about was the number of uh, absentees by COVID. And um, and then they they look good. They they look good at times in the game, but they just got they just came to that offensive fire play of North Carolina 
basically mm. what happened was they North Carolina said, okay, if you want to put up 40-something, we'll put up 50-something, and yeah. Virginia Tech couldn't handle it. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it is obviously, there's quite a bit of talent now at North Carolina. Matt Brown's been doing some really nice recruiting over there. But obviously, they've got Sam Howell, who, in my opinion, is one of, if not the best sophomore quarterback in college football at the moment. Definitely going to be one of the guys that we talk about when we stop talking about Trevor Lawrence when he's in the NFL next year. And Virginia Tech are rotating three quarterbacks through the whole game. So it's kind of that difference, isn't it, where they kind of got that continuity on one side with obviously a lot of talent, such as the guys we just talked about, and also Daz Newsom, who I didn't mention, out of the slot. And then also Virginia Tech, who've got some guys, don't get me wrong, but you know, like just not that consistency under centre for them. So, yeah, another good advert for the ACC, really, and a, a, a league that is actually got a lot of good teams in it this year, which is not something that I expected as much as we've shown. Uh, so far this season, I don't say. It's very annoying hearing how easy the ACC is for Clemson because, yes, they're very, very good and they are the best team in it, but it's it's a good deep conference. There's, uh, there's some good teams in there. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Which should lead us nicely on to one of the other big games in ACC football this weekend between Notre Dame and Florida State. We'll take you to our resident Florida State fan. <laughs> Uh, for his analysis of this one, yeah, I mean, we uh, we didn't put up a bad fight to be honest. I thought the the offensive side of the ball looked uh, ten times better. Tamorian Terry uh, showed up for the first time this season, 146 mm. yards and touchdown there, and that was just because of the play of Jordan Travis, really, who's completely kind of um, transformed the program in the last couple of weeks at quarterback. Um, a bit of the kind of Lamar Jackson sort of uh, style uh, of play, gets out of the pocket really quickly, 19 carries in this game as well, which kind of says it all and compared to um, 13 completed passes. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of work to do in the passing game, but he's actually given some life to the um, life to the offense, and and do you know what? It's it's like it's becoming more and more obvious that we're like we all know we're going down the kind of mobile quarterback route anyway in terms mm-hmm. of where the game's being played. But when you compare him to like uh, Blackman and uh, Tate Rodemaker, who we saw for like the briefest of times a couple of <laughs> weeks ago, um, the pocket passing is just kind of like if you're a static pocket passer, it's just this isn't a game for you at the moment, is it? I just I just like. It's like very. That's a very sweeping general statement to make, but um, but like those guys just don't really get out of the pocket at all. And, and Travis just makes them look really inferior players. And I'm sure passing the ball, both players are like almost twice as good as him in that in that respect. So yeah, quite quite positive for for, for FSU in terms of that. But but Notre Dame just too many weapons. Uh, the running game really uh, gashed Florida State's defense right open. Mm-hmm. Williams and Tyree looking particularly dangerous and uh, and and book just managed the game well it was we didn't really need to do a lot it just you know chipped away at us um finding like mckinley and everything like that just just chipping away all around but um yeah i mean we, we forced a couple of fumbles on uh on defense as well from the florida state sort of uh, uh side of things but again nothing like uh, nothing to check that was ever really threatening to, to turn the game around here it was a comfortable win but um after the first quarter, we, we kind of stuttered and, and stumbled along. But, um, yeah, all credit to Notre Dame. They, they look like they, they will give Clemson a run for their money, um, but probably still not good enough based on that performance against Miami as well. Yeah, I would I would, I would would chuck Notre Dame in with the sort of 
comment that I made about Bo Nix, really. I think Ian Book really kind of limits them. I think he's he's maybe a little bit of a better version than Bo Nix, really. He's not the greatest quarterback in the world, but he's pretty useful on the ground. He's not He makes a couple of wow throws every now and then, but also makes some pretty head-scratching errors at times as well. Um, you know, so yeah, they'll probably you know finish second or third in the ACC, and like you say, not really trouble Clemson if they do come up in the ACC championship game uh, in a few months. So, yeah, kind of. I mean, as much as I've just said, there's good, good teams. It is kind of qualified by Clemson always being about three or four levels better. So, yeah, it's difficult. But what what do you say about John Travis then? Is he kind of the future for the next couple of years? Obviously, a redshirt sophomore, isn't he? So, coming in, uh, this is his first season starting, obviously. So. Or, well, not even the first full season, but obviously giving you a bit of life, maybe rather than the yeah. couple of guys that you've said and we've talked about recently. Yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, like promising. Um, I've, for- I've completely forgot, had it in my mind blank, and completely forgotten the name of a guy that we brought in uh, as a freshman this year. Maybe, no, it's not going to come to me, but um, we, we brought in a freshman quarterback who everyone's like getting quite hyped about, uh, and but he's been injured, so that's why kind of Travis has been given the the reins there, and um, uh, and I think I think now he's making it his own. Really, it's not it's not a competition at all. It's it's going to be his ship going forward. Um, but but yeah, it's it's just about that kind of uh, dynamic play which we've just been lacking for so long. Mm. I mean, you used to look at the the kind of box score for for like Cam Akers and stuff last year, and it, I remember seeing one where he broke a run of seventy five yards, uh, and he had a total of seventy yards rushing, <laughs> like something like fifteen <laughs> attempts. How, how's that even possible? But um, and it's the kind of same again now in the running game. I mean we everyone was quite. It, um, excited about Corbin and stuff being the transfer running back to replace him, but um, he only had two carries at the weekend, and and Webb seems to have replaced him in that respect. But yeah, and he's just doing everything at the moment, and then uh, if in doubt, stand in the pocket and hurl it towards Terry, uh, the only receiver with more than two catches. So so that that's where I'm, where I'm at with that. I mean, yeah, the, the half we've had half the team enter the transfer portal as well. Like three or four wide receivers and everything go into that. So, yeah, it's just being decimated. But, you know, Travis is like the kind of shining light. And if he wasn't there, you'd be already kind of scratching your head about where mm. Norvell's going to take the programme. But you can kind of build around that. Defence is not looking great, despite the fact there's quite a lot of draftable talent there. Um, mm. But, yeah, all round work in progress. But there's a shining light in there for, for us for a bit. Come back next year and see what Norvell's like in year two, I guess. It's never going to be. It was never going to be a one-year job, was it? Let's be honest. It's just one of them where we're, we're going to be looking at two or three years and see where he gets his recruits from, see what he gets in, see who maybe can get in as a transfer as well, and, and see if you know Clemson can lose some talent to the NFL and come in a bit of a down year, really, because that's I guess what the ACC are looking for, isn't it? Really? Yeah, for sure. I'll um, I'll stay in the ACC, and we don't want to make it an ACC show, but obviously we need to have our little look at Kenny Pickett. Obviously, on Kenny Pickett watch, I'll take the duty this week. I didn't actually watch the game, so I'm just going to go off the box score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was actually on TV, was it? But obviously, BC, uh, Boston College winning in overtime with a very, very bizarre missed extra point when they could have tied it up for Pitt. Uh, Boston College winning 31 to 30. Pickett, looking at his box score, it's pretty average. I don't know if this feature has got a great amount of legs. I know Liam, I know you like Kenny Pickett, so I don't know if I'm going to annoy you by saying this, but looking at uh, just over 50% completion percentage, not a great deal of yards, a couple of interceptions, uh, sorry, a couple of touchdowns to one interception, a quarterback rating of just over 61. Should we bother with this anymore? Is he, is he, is he worth it? Future Hall of Famer, mate. Um... <laughs> 
I actually did watch like 15, 20 minutes of it. And uh, sorry, Liam, I didn't to cut, you off, cut across you there, mate. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, I was more impressed with the, the guy that Boston College have got under centre, uh, Djokovic, I think he's mm-hmm. probably pronouncing it. But yeah, he, he looked really good, stretching the field really well, um, not afraid to take the deep shot. I think Pickett's just limited by his like surrounding cast, which I kind of yeah we said didn't last week. Well, yeah, but but yeah, not a lot to uh, to work with there. Liam, I don't know whether you agree or no, it's spot on. I think uh, I think he's he has got more to give, but he does he needs help. He, he needs help, and uh, I think this game summed it up in the fact that the, the kicker let them down as well. <laughs> oh, I think what was it a fifty-eight yard field goal that he kicked in regulation and then missed the, that's right. the extra yeah. point. Uh, that's the life of a kicker. That. <laughs> that's just, that's, um, I'm enjoying that we are on Kenny Pickett watch for the season. Hopefully he can. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to say with, with no tongue in cheek then, I hope he picks it up. And <laughs> I don't know if, I don't even know if Tim would go down that, that pun route to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it, where it's a classic college football thing to nail a 58 yarder and then mess it up on the, you know, the really important play. But yeah, um, Boston College looking pretty decent, actually. Yeah, Djokovic, um, yeah, turned some heads really. I, know, I spotted one person tweeting, I think, throwing some shade at Notre Dame because they picked Ian Book over him when they were recruiting him. So he's obviously going there and, and looking pretty useful in a, what he's not been, it's more of like a running school, isn't it, traditionally? So to have like a bit of a passer there would be kind of a turn up for the books of Boston College, really. Yeah, they're struggling at running back as well, aren't they? Bailey, mm. like 36 yards apiece. But yeah, struggling. Um, and it's like, we've seen like a new Matt Ryan there. That's what we, that's what we mm. need to. Yeah, I, I love these schools where you get like a random quarterback once every 20 years. It's just not, it's, like, <laughs> all, it's a bit more romantic, isn't it? Than, it is, uh, yeah, it definitely is. schools which churn them out every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So outside of the ACC, then since we've just talked about the ACC for a good like 15 minutes, um, Old Miss versus Alabama, Matt Jones looked really good again, uh, putting up the numbers, another high scoring game. Georgia, really under the radar team, aren't they at the minute? You know, not anyone talking about them, obviously ranked number three, got Alabama on the weekend. Um, but yeah, really under the radar. Uh, Eric Stokes getting a pick, looking really good. Um, obviously, we're big on our corners and uh, Eric Stokes doing us proud there. Obviously, we've got to talk about Florida with Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts, another... Just, just looking like they're on a march, aren't they? Really? Obviously, Texas A&M putting up more of a fight after I was uh, giving Kellermond a lot of stick last week, um, but stuck around with Florida and obviously oh, got A&M the win. Won, didn't they? Yeah, got the win. Yeah, um, but they were, you know, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts still, you know, looking really, really good. And um, I saw a co- couple of tweets, one of which was saying that Kyle Pitts is going to be a top five draft pick, which is a bit rich for me. I don't know about you boys, but. Uh, tight end in, in the top five, even though he's ridiculous, is a bit rich. I've already seen like Dolphins fans like, yeah, let's like draft him and pair him with Kaziki, and it's just like, <laughs> but a lot of other positions on this team need need to <laughs> for our tight end position. <laughs> he's going to have so many teams after him, but top five, Ooh, I don't know. I could I could maybe see top ten. You know, you get a you know a TJ Hawkinson or you know other tight ends that I'm probably I can't remember. That's the most recent one that I can yeah, name no. off the top of my head. But yeah, there's been quite a few tight ends in the top five, top ten, sorry, recently. But um, I could stretch to that, but not top five. There's too many good and players. You, you need teams that need a tight end as well. So like Andy just said, the Dolphins. It's a nice thought to pair him up with Gasicki, but I think they got other 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 places to build first. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. The, I think the other aspect of it is obviously, you know, Cal Pitts is a great player, but the rest of the tight end class is pretty good as well. So if you're thinking, if we can get like Cal Pitts in the top five or getting, I don't know, Pratt Firemuth, let's say, or Brevin Jordan at the top of the second, what would you rather have? How's the drop off? It's not probably it's yeah. not too bad, you know, when you can get a top five player if you pick in there. Um, you know, so not really trading too much, I would say. But yeah, like you say, Andy. Yeah, obviously, I was I was building it up every two, Sorry, mate, maybe I, maybe I too that. slowly, but yeah, Tuck saying I obviously uh, did get the win. <laughs> I've got it in my uh, notes how how like what a good game it was, but um, yeah, I never like you just can't look away from Florida's offense, can you? But A and M, not telling you. Like uh, we, I was kind of negative about uh, Jimbo last week, but he, he got the better of them uh, this week. Okay. Yeah, definitely making us look a bit silly after last week's podcast. Obviously, Rob mentioned last week that it's Brocktober for Iowa State and they beat Texas Tech. Um, Purdy looking pretty good. Crazy start to the game with the blocked kick that went for a touchdown uh, for Texas Tech. That was a great start to the game. And of course, we can't not mention it, but the Red River Showdown, which got all kind of crazy. Obviously, there was points. Uh, I've mentioned Tom Herman in my losers column um, this week. And then obviously there's drama as well. Spencer Atler being benched for a little bit. And then obviously someone flipping the bird at the camera um, from the losing section of the crowd, uh, which was all good fun. Um, Liam, I was trying to bring you in. I wondered if you wanted to talk a little bit of BYU, because I know you're a big fan of Zach Wilson, the quarterback there. And they're, they're rolling, aren't they, really, BYU? They're rolling. Um, the, uh, the win wasn't as easy and as big a deficit as previous wins they were mm. it was a utsa wasn't it that's right uh, 27 20 final score um i do like I, I do like zach wilson and i've liked him for a, a couple of years it's really interesting that he's um able to build on it it keeps building i think those those first round rumors might start to come in when it comes to uh draft time but uh yeah i'm Really, uh, really interested to, to see how the, the season goes for them because uh, the schedules obviously have affected as is everybody's. Um, but yeah, he's, he's winning. He's winning football games. Mm. What is it that you particularly like about him? Because obviously we dropped it in the group chat, and um, I have to admit I'd not actually watched him uh, on any tape or any games. I don't, I've not watched a BYU game, but you you said you have. What what is it that you particularly like about him? Because obviously it's a quarterback that I'm seeing on Twitter. Some people saying he might be QB five. For this draft class, and um, I obviously, like I said, I've not really come across him and seen him. I, to get I to would, the tape. I'd agree. I'd put him up there in top five, possibly, but easily top ten at the moment in terms of draft. Um, he efficiency is uh, is his thing, and his, his throws are starting to get more kind of pro ready as well as he grows into leading the offense. Um, I think it was the uh, Idaho Potato Bowl um, a couple of years ago. I, um, off the top of my head, I think the numbers, uh, it was uh, nine, 18 or 19 out of 19 uh, complete. It was 100% mm-hmm. completion game for over 300 yards, four touchdowns. Um, I like a quarterback that can complete that many throws and mm. every attempt is a completion. 100% completion game is great in a bowl game as I believe a freshman. Um, that was impressive. And um yeah, he's uh, been able to build on it. He throws really well on the move as well. There's some pro-style traits there that are improving. Mm. We talked about um, likes of Ian Book and Bo Nix that 
you kind of you want them to Im improve and and keep progressing and keep showing that they can do these different things. And Zach Wilson is doing that. Mm. So yeah, no, obviously BYU moving to four and zero on the season. Like we said before, looking pretty pretty good. Um, I think they're number fifteen in the rankings now, if I'm not mistaken. So pretty high ranking for them. Obviously, in this bit of a weird year, but um, nice to see some new teams at the top. As we say, maybe not right at the top with top three um, being the usual suspects of Clemson, Alabama, and Georgia. But nice to see some some new teams doing some well after that. So yeah, no, another another big weekend. Another lots of points, as I said um, before. Lots of high scoring games. Maybe a bit to do with COVID, a bit to do with the disjointed off season, but um, you know it's good. For, it's good fun on a Saturday evening, isn't it? Before uh, you settle into your NFL action. So yeah, we're going to talk about. NFL. Oh, sorry, go on. One thing, can we just like because Kieran's ill? <laughs> we just need to mention the fact that LSU are unranked, and <laughs> I, I mean he's going to get better anyway. But this is like he just needs to. As a Rob isn't here as well, I think I need to. Uh, Assume the role of just getting that little dig in. We won't go into detail on it because he doesn't want to listen to it later in the in the week. But but how embarrassing is this start for for LSU? <laughs> yeah, it's not great, is it? And I mean, I, I suppose it's it's not too fair because he can't come on and defend himself. But <laughs> they they've not looked great, have they? Um, as as time has gone on, there I think it's been coming, hasn't it? You know, a little bit of a shock loss like this and Mizzou not great. And I think I was teasing him on Twitter during the game saying, you know, their defence and Stingley and things like that, because obviously he always mentions that. But, you know, um, maybe that's, like I say, why he's not, not with us this evening. Maybe that's what's knocked him sick. But hopefully he's, he's back with us next week and, and he can defend himself for this. Yeah, pretty tragic loss. And, you know, after all these uh, champs talk, he's uh, come back come yeah. back to bite yeah, him in the arse. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that uh, defence is the problem isn't a good thing. Isn't a good thing for them, you know. Hmm. Yeah, no, I can completely agree. I mean, like we said before, turnover obviously is something to be said, but it happens to all the best teams as well. So, yeah, uh, just looking up, bottom of the SEC West, one and two win-loss record. Not looking great. And obviously looking great for Rob with this bet that they've got as the Florida Gators. Although, you know, they lost, but looking much the better team, ranked 10th overall at the moment. So, so yeah, more as we get it with that one, really. But yeah, what we're going to do now is, as we were saying, I'm going to move into a little bit of NFL talk. Obviously, the firings have begun with the firing of uh, Bill O'Brien from the Houston Texans last week. And then as we sort of come on to record in the morning on a Monday, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov as well, both gone from Atlanta Falcons. So what we're going to do is just going to have a little look at a couple of coaches that we have that might be ones to step up to the NFL, might do a decent job. Like I said before, one of these jobs or any others that may come up in the future, because obviously after Black Monday, I'm sure there'll be quite a few jobs open. And, you know, Matt Rule, as much as, you know, the Panthers probably weren't touted up very much at the start of the season, looks like he's got a pretty decent thing going on. Obviously a bit of a long rebuild job, a little bit like what we were just talking about with Florida State, but he looks like he's getting those guys playing for him, needs some talent in there, but he looks like he's doing a pretty decent job. So we're just wondering whether the NFL will go back to the college football well, and that's what we're going to kind of discuss next. So... Liam, I'm going to come to you first. Um, you're coming into the Pac-12 and you're going to maybe take a coach out there from one of the better teams to go into the NFL. Yes, I'm going to. We will, I will take Mario Cristobal from Oregon. Um, I think if uh, NFL wants to look into college football, he's, he's very NFL-ready. Um, he's, uh, he's got a really nice track record. Um, started head coaching uh, FIU 
Um, then he uh, moved on. Uh, he was at uh, Alabama as assistant to Nick Saban, so there's some pedigree mm. there. Um, and now spent a couple of seasons um, building at, at Oregon. And um, he's former offensive lineman, so they, they've produced some good offensive line talent, some good offensive talent. But he's also um, coaches defense very well. Mm. That's secondary for Oregon. Um, it's a really, really good group and probably been a little um, as unlucky as any team in terms of uh, showcasing what they could have done this season. Now they have a limited schedule. Um, but uh, yeah, Cristobal's done a really, really good job there for them. Um, I think in terms of the Texans and the Falcons, I think that they, they need somebody that can focus on defense at the moment. I think they've got bits in place offensively. And uh, I think Cristobal could coach either of them, help build them defensively. Yeah, I think he's a really good coach. I think he's a really good leader as well. I think a lot of the Oregon players, like their senior players and more you know, sort of top-end players, they're quite vocal on social media about social issues. And I think Mario Cristobal also really encourages that. And obviously in a timeline that we're going through as well, I think that's really important to have that kind of socially aware figure as well as a, a really good head coach kind of like your CEO of the, the football team really who's kind of leading from the front so yeah I think it's a really good shout I think he's a really good coach um, yeah, that's he... true the, the man management thing like he, he recruits really well mm. so yeah absolutely yeah he's obviously uh, yeah obviously got that that down and that's obviously a huge plus as you say at the moment in terms of college guys mm. yeah he's recruitment really, really well. has been excellent yeah um, so yeah, no, really good shout, and like you say, um, could be could be easily making the step up. He's got the experience after after going around the college ranks a little bit. Andy, who's your who's your shout to step up uh, into the NFL from the college world? Yeah, so I've gone for for, for Dabo Sweeney. Um, I mean, I can't really see this one happening, uh, mm. uh, just because like if it if it's going to happen, it may have already happened. It should have all happened already, sort of thing, but. Uh, I think there's some good reasons why they could, why he could go to to uh, either uh, the Falcons or the Texans, but also maybe the Jets when that pick, that uh, job inevitably comes up when the when the Dolphins cruise into New York <laughs> at the weekend and <laughs> take, make it an easy job there. But um, so in terms of like uh, Houston, I mean, I don't think there's a uh, Houston must be probably one of the least attractive jobs to go for just because of the pick situation, uh, like the. Uh, you know, t- size of the roster in terms of uh, finance and that sort of thing as well. But mm. um, if he went there, he'd, he'd have the quarterback who obviously worked with for a long time in Deshaun Watson. Um, and uh, as Liam said, the like, pieces on offense are, are there and, and obviously more an offensive guy. So I like that. Um, I like that fit there. I also quite like the the Atlanta fit in just in terms of um, obviously the Carolina and Georgia. Uh, sort of rivalry there is not going to be great for for him, but um, I also like you know understands the kind of culture that, that people are after in in Atlanta. Um, it's obviously a, like a bit of a blue collar uh, town and like a southern sort of a city, and that so it, it just that hard work and that just what seems to be missing from the Falcons at the moment is just the like creating the determination, specific especially on defense. So. Maybe that fit there. And then I think the, the best fit for me is the Jets if that comes available. He seems like a guy who's uh, like very player-friendly in terms of uh, you know his attitude and that sort of thing. Um, won't be phased by the big lights of, uh, of New York. And then if the Jets continue to be as absolutely terrible as they are, then that number one pick and he can just carry on working with the same quarterback that he's currently working with. So mm. that for me makes uh, makes a perfect slide in there when, when it inevitably happens and 
it might even convince the, the Jets to keep holders uh, gaze through the <laughs> through the whole season <laughs> to solidify the, the job. So, yeah. That is something I was actually going to put to you as soon as you put Dabo into the into the group chat when we were arranging all of that, you know, to make sure we don't stand on each other's toes and things like that. It was really interesting that if one of these guys got number one pick, then he can just handpick his job. I'm sure, you know, if someone wanted to go there and, you know, for whatever reason he wanted to leave Clemson, like you say, it's probably a bit unlikely. But if he if he got, sort of got sounded out by the team with the number one pick and just said, you know, you'd be able to work with Trevor Lawrence again, then, you know, it's a pretty enticing offer, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And the fact, I mean, I mean, like, the problem with the Jets, obviously, is just that like, that whole offence is garbage. Apart from Darnold, <laughs> who I, what I really like, it's such a shame, isn't it? Because he's such a good player and you see flashes of uh, of that come through. But, um, but, but yeah, I mean, it would just be absolutely awful for the AFC East too, who are just currently getting a Josh Allen, who looks like he's going to be the next, like, I don't know, not Dan Marino, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far. But, uh, <laughs> it's going to say, be blasphemous, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, you know, he's got that big arm and that zip and uh, and it's he's looking incredibly good, just as uh, we seem to be looking much better in, in stable hands as well. And, and somehow the Patriots have found a, possibly a, a longer-term option at quarterback as well. So that would be a hell of a quarterback division that would be with uh, with Lawrence in. Um, but, yeah, the other thing to note about Sweeney is that he made like nine and a half million dollars last year and only four NFL coaches make more than that so like, is money really going to talk to him as well so yeah uh, interesting one uh, can't see it happening but um, hypothetically he'd be a very good NFL coach I think it'd be an interesting it'd definitely be an interesting hire if someone could get him away from Clemson and and like you say if you could bring Lawrence with him as well and they could just continue on their journey together that would be really really interesting to say the least one to watch for sure, um, whether that happens or not is, like I say, a different story, really. I'm going to go back to the Pac-12 for my one. And mine's particularly for the Texans job. Um, I kind of made all time preparation and that was when the Texans job was available, not when the Atlanta job was available. So kind of just gone for that. But my shout is uh, the Arizona coach, Kevin Sumlin, for the Texans job. Um, I feel like he's got the personality to, to thrive in the NFL. He's a really good leader, this kind of CEO kind of thing that we mentioned before. I think he's a really good leader of men as well. And I think he can carry that on to the professional level. Tons of experience. He's done his time at the college level, serving as assistant head coach, offensive coordinator, or some sort of position coach, whether that be wide receivers, tight ends, for about 20 years before he then stepped up to take the Houston Cougars job in the college level uh, in 2008. So he already knows the city, he's already been there. It's kind of familiarity. Obviously, it's quite a long time ago, but he was there for four years, really, really successful, won a lot of games um, before moving to Texas A&M and moving to Texas A&M in the Johnny football years. So that's when he's had this incredible offense that above about 7,000 yards in the 2012 season with Johnny Football, um, obviously Mike Evans as well, sorry, uh, catching all sorts of footballs for them. And that was just the best college football offense that I've ever seen, maybe. You know, it's, it was incredible, you know, the way he moved the football. He's used to working with mobile QBs, um, obviously Deshaun Watson, as much as they probably don't want him to be too mobile because he keeps getting banged about and injured, um, is mobile and you could use him like that. Obviously, it comes from a bit of a spread system as well. So having the weapons, as you mentioned earlier, such as you know David Johnson, who we've seen if he can rekindle his Arizona Cardinals days, can be a bit of a wide receiver as well. Also got Kenny Stills and also Will Fuller as well, who you know if they stay fit, quite decent wide receivers as well. So as much as I agree with you, Liam, that the Texans probably do need to focus on D. I think bringing in someone like this to sort of accentuate their weapons and, and kind of you know if he can reach those heights again, I'm not obviously saying he's up seven thousand yards again, but. You know, if someone someone can kind of grab hold of that offense and and use it to the best of their ability, I think they've got something going there. 
Um, you know, he's got loads of experience, only in his mid-50s. So I think, um, like you say, probably going to neglect defence a little bit, but maybe you could beg Wade Phillips to get off the couch and go back to Houston and, and, and you know, run the defence, which is always fun for me. I don't know what you guys think, think of that. I don't think you'd have to beg to get Wade Phillips off if you've seen his Twitter feed. He's <laughs> desperate for a job, though. <laughs> yeah, still wants to do it. He's in his like mid seventies, isn't he? And still, still wants a bit, and that'd be that'd be really, really fun. But, but yeah, good, good, good shout, mate. I mean, I, personally, I don't know too much personally about the guy, but um, yeah, from what, what you said, it just sounds like a bit like Arizona, just getting the the guy to run the offense and then kind of just invested the high draft stock in the defence and watch it get better that way hopefully yeah and a bit like what you said earlier I mean it's not it isn't the most attractive job because of all the picks that they've kind of shipped and that kind of gives him time you know and for his first NFL job that's probably going to be key and I think that was a little bit of a factor for me as well in that one so yeah again I'm not sure he'll, he'll go there obviously just started a rebuilding job at Arizona um, the college Arizona not meaning the Cardinals obviously um, he's about two years into but you know, whether we can you know, be enticed into the NFL is another story altogether. So moving to the last bit of our pod then, and we're going to be talking about another guy going to the NFL. We're going to have a little look at Trey Lance and whether we think that he is a round one guy and a round one draft pick later on the line. Obviously, two slightly different questions with a bit of nuance in them. I'll begin with this one. Um, so with me, what I, my problem is, and the way that I have been scouting for a couple of years now is I have quite a big bearing on experience, sample size of what I've seen, and also level of competition. Obviously all these things kind of go against Trey Lance. He's only played one year, although an amazing year where they won the FCS title title against James Madison last year. And obviously this one game against Central Arkansas, as we mentioned earlier, I don't want to put too much bearing on the Central Arkansas game because it's one game after no off season in a COVID ruined season almost for him. Someone who, if, if anyone, lost the most out of this COVID situation in college football because he was due to play Oregon, they were due to play a couple of bigger teams in the FBS and Division One, and that would have been a real showcase, especially against the Oregon, off, uh, sorry, Oregon defense, fully healthy, fully loaded in, I think it was round, uh, sorry, round week two, and that would have been a real showcase for him. I don't think there's anything too much wrong with him as a player. There's definitely some tools there. But for me, in the way that I want, want to value people and the way that I want to draft my players, I just cannot pick him in round one. I just don't see how a team can value him that highly. I would put, at this moment, probably a mid-round grade on him. High second, sorry, low second, high third. I think there's, there's a rough diamond in there for sure. But there's not a finished article there. And if you're you know, picking him high and wanting him to start, you're going to be in big trouble, I think, with him. Um, he could surprise us. Obviously, I was saying this maybe about Justin Herbert last year, and now he's playing really well for my Chargers. So, you know, it, it definitely can make that progression really quickly. But what, you know, what you're not getting as well is pedigree. He's only a two-star uh, quarterback out of Minnesota. And, you know, he went to North Dakota State, played really well, but not for me. Round one player, no. Round one draft pick, yes, because I think someone will take him. I think someone will just take quarterback value. He'll probably still enter the um, draft cycle being QB3, no matter what Trask. And the likes of Zach Wilson kind of do as the season goes on. I think there's been too much buzz about Lance so far. And he'll he'll kind of just carry on that, especially when we get to the combine. And uh, he just kind of shows out in that because he's got all the physical attributes in the world. So yeah, that's my take on it, uh, Liam. What about you? How do you how do you see Lance moving forward? I agree on what you said about um, 
first round talent. Let's see, but first round pick. Yes, you can you can see that people are going to take that quarterback uh, value, and that he probably is going to go in the first round. Um, yeah, he's he's been hurt by the the lack of schedule, hasn't he? And being only one game this season, uh, you know, from from a like a, a scouting perspective, he he he's got the the NFL arm. He he mm. can make throws. He he runs well as well, which NFL quarterbacks are required to do now. Yeah. Um, as I said, the, the strength is there. The accuracy is a bit of an issue. Um, he's a bit uh, he's a bit awkward mechanically as well. I think his footwork can improve. Um, it, I'd like him to to uh, to have played a, a senior season. Let's play, carry on, play a senior year, like you mm. like you say. You need. I'm agreeing with you completely that you need that that time. You need. You want to see the the improvement and. Um, yeah, I think it's a bit of a shame that he's only got this one game this season. Um, he played okay in, in the game. Um, it, it, he, it was kind of lose-lose for him, I guess, wasn't it? Because uh, yeah. people would just say it was only Central Arkansas if he put up amazing numbers. And he actually didn't put up great numbers. Um, he threw an interception, which he's never done before um, at North Dakota State. Um, so there were, there were a few things that... Uh, yeah, maybe it, maybe there was a bit of uh, sort of stage fright with him, knowing that this was uh, one game where all scouting eyes or NFL eyes were going to be on him. Um, it would probably have been better for him to, to have had a full season against uh, good and better defenses. Um, North Dakota State. I know that they're an FCS team, but they're an FBS team, aren't they? In the FCS, they, they've overpowered sure. the FCS for a while and. He's got the the kind of pro style plays. He plays well out of certain pro style sets. He plays well with play action. So uh, NFL scouts are going to like that. Um, yeah, he's 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 going to be he's going to be sought after, and he probably is going to be a first round selection. But uh, I agree, I'd probably have him as a day two at the moment, mm. or try and hope that he plays his senior year. But I don't think he will. I think he's going straight into the to the draft and uh yeah and he will be a first round pick yeah i think so Andy, how do you see how do you see lance obviously quite an interesting player coming in feels a bit like jalen hurts but i might be um completely oversimplifying that in terms of like i don't know like just got a lot of similar traits and uh and i mean uh leon there just mentioned the accuracy and i think it's kind of the accuracy on the, on the deep ball as well which i think we can see him dink and dunk and and, and that play action game looks really good but um like quite a few i mean to be honest i've only sat down and watched him for an hour or two so far but lots of like on highlight uh, film lots of like overthrows and, and kind of inaccurate throws down the field so yeah um i i agree with both of you i think someone will take a shot in the first round but it also feels like someone was take a shot with the exact uh, thought of just letting him sit for a bit, um, which I think I don't even think is a bad is a bad idea, especially if you if you, you think you've got the talent there. But the the one worry is it's kind of like a Mitch Trubisky sort of situation where you just get a lot of hype and rise at the draft board with just the one sort of season under your belt. Um, yeah, I, I mean, lots of I mean, you, you both have covered the the good things about his play, the, the way the ball comes out and. I think he's very good and he's just a class above where he's playing at the moment. But um, for me, it, you, you summed it up 
perfectly lead us with the kind of you need the experience and it would have been good to see him play a couple of decent teams as well mm. um just feels like someone will take a risk it's a really weird year they'll use that to justify taking the risk and if it pays off then people will be like you know what what a fantastic gm or what a fantastic <laughs> coach and staff or anything like that but it's just got every every chance of going the other way as well really I was going to say, when you said that, it could go exactly the other way, couldn't it? And someone could be out of a job um, as well. Sorry, go on, Liam. He reminds me of um, Jordan Love last year in terms of draft stock and draft value. Um, yeah, I was lower than most on Jordan Love last year, especially as a first-round talent. Mm. I thought it's, it's a, too much of a risk. However, he's, he's gone to a good place in terms of uh, sitting and learning. That's, pro- that's exactly what uh, Trey Lance needs, I think. Yeah, it's always the ideal, isn't it? If you've got one of these kind of rough diamond quarterbacks that maybe do come from like a bit of a small school like Love and um, Lance Will, where they can sit behind a veteran, learn for a couple of years. Obviously, they still get the money then. They're not worried about their kind of future. They're, you know, they're on the rookie deal. They've got some security because obviously the argument against what I'm saying and what you're saying, Liam, which I completely agree with you, I think it would be beneficial to him to go back and play senior season, although he will obviously run the risk of getting injured. And obviously we saw that with Dak Prescott on the weekend, although it's a slightly different situation, but the same sort of same sort of thing where, you know, if he gets injured playing for North Dakota State, then his value plummets and he probably goes in the day three rather than, you know, probably the first round, as we as we said. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a quandary, isn't it? Always always the purgatory that you get with with these sort of things. I was just going to say, I've been right when I was talking, I was racking my brain for the kind of ideal team for him to go for. I think I've got it. 49ers, they're just like part of that run game. Mm. Like they'll probably be looking to, I mean, from, from the small sample size so far this season, they'll at least be looking to like bring in someone who can play instead of Garoppolo if needed or if not be the guy. Um, I was just looking, I was just thinking that's the perfect uh, fit for that, that Shanahan run system. Uh, and yeah, like RPO play action, it, it just fits me, fits perfect for me there. That, that's my that's my early call. But I don't know whether the Forty Niners will be if they're picking high up the board, are they going to be to want to take him early? But if they're picking uh, late teens, early twenties, there's a there's a possibility for you. It's a very intriguing chat, actually. Yeah, I like it with the mix of the run game, especially. Jimmy Garoppolo's obviously got this weird contract as well, where after this year, all his dead cap drops off as well. So he could be quite an easy cut if they, you know, roll with Jimmy Garoppolo as a starter, have Lance in the background, and then he's an easy cut or an easy trade as well. So, yeah, no, very, very interesting shout indeed. So, I'll trust to Tampa Bay. And then that's all sorted, and I'll just be—I'll just retire, take up my. Screen. I was going to say, yeah, if you get both of these right, that'll be—that'll be some run there. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, how about you? Have you, have you got a team in mind? I know I've kind of put you on the spot there because I don't have one myself, so I'll be maybe thinking about one while you're talking. I don't, but uh, 49ers is a good shout. But then the Seahawks fan in me said, no, the defenses in the NFC West would get him killed if you threw him in too soon, and. Uh, um, I am now going to try and rack my brain as quickly as I can while you... Sorry, I'll connect it out of the thinking time, don't we? <laughs> well, the Titans, the Titans run, like, like Tannehill's not the uh, option forever there. But uh, I don't know if we're all... We're, I mean, you kind of want a team that's going to be picking in the 20s who... Uh, yeah, you want, you want a strong run game, don't you? Maybe, like, you know, not necessarily a, a really... I don't know. The, stiff... how, about, how about the Steelers? Let him learn behind... Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, that'd be another good shot. offense, good defense, all the ingredients that you have. You've already built a lot of good stuff around a young 
cool spec. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, got, I like that as well. Maybe a little bit of a wild card pick, seems though everyone's cooler on him, but how about he replaces Carson Wentz in Philadelphia? Obviously, he would have to start straight away, so probably not the greatest shout, but... North Dakota State, guys. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, to be fair, it's not a good shout because he would have to start immediately if they're getting rid of Wentz, but, um, you know, even in the short term. But, uh, yeah, maybe a fun one for him to take over from someone who went to the same school. But, yeah, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about Trey Lance as time goes on and as sure, you know, sure enough when the draft season rolls around when we'll be looking at all the players and, you know, he'll be definitely amongst our sort of top players to talk about because he's definitely a certain intrigue to him and uh, you know lots of lots of talent to work there with you know as much as I've just been saying about him you know potentially not being a first round player for me he's still a really good prospect you know someone who'll potentially may mold him into a really good NFL quarterback uh, in you know the years coming years coming should I say so yeah I think what we'll do is we'll leave it there for today obviously if you want to follow us on Twitter the full-time yard CFB account is waiting for your tweets waiting for your replies waiting for you to check out all of our content you can find that at full 10 yard CFB on Twitter. Obviously you can find me at Wakefield 90 and I'll give it up to the guys to tell you where you can find them and their content now. So Liam, why don't we start with you? You can find me on Twitter at Liam 66 NFL. Uh, all my work for full 10 yards and my own blog will be on there. And uh, yeah, any NFL college football chat, that's where I'll be ready and waiting. <laughs> Absolutely. And then Andy, what about yourself as well? Yeah, AJ Moore 21 for my personal one and then the uh, Dolphin underscore UK or Dolphin UK underscore pod for uh, our Dolphin stuff as well, which is in a good mood this week. And mm. yeah, lots of engagement there over the over the course of the game on Sunday. So yeah, uh, hit us up and we've got um, an Olympic gold medalist on this in this week's show. Check that out. I didn't I was, know. I was going to I was gonna tease that. You've got a bit of a guest coming up, haven't you? There you go. So uh, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, so lots of uh, lots of stuff to look forward to, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, going quite well so far. Yeah, lots of positivity there over in the Dolphins camp after a good win against the 49ers this weekend. So yeah, that'll, that'll just about do us here at the Full 10 Yards. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you on the other side next week for another roundup and some more interesting college football chat. So yeah, thanks for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at Full10YardsCFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.